Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Your iTunes reviews help Pantsuit Politics move up the rankings, which spreads our love of nuance far and wide. Plus, being called the Oprahs of Nuance made my life. So please take a few minutes and leave a review by searching Pantsuit Politics in the podcast app and clicking the reviews tab. I am here with Aaron and Sierra, who are some of our original Pantsy Politics listeners. Have y'all been listening since the very first episode? Is that right? I think so. Uh, I started listening like Thanksgiving of, I guess it was 2015, right? Yeah, wow, that's right okay. when we started. Yeah, so like pretty early. Yeah. It's been how a good did, time. How did you find us, Aaron? Uh, so you guys remember when, uh, you were recommended on like iTunes, like up and coming podcasts. Yes. I guess I was just like, yeah, exactly. So I was like, just looking through and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I should probably start paying attention to the election since it's coming up. And, and now I follow you guys on Twitter and it's great. Well, we love that you guys are so involved. So can you tell us just a little bit about yourselves? Do you want to go first here? Uh, sure. Uh, so like Aaron said, we're both from Illinois, but we're currently in Indiana for, for school. Uh, we study at Indiana State University, and I'm about to graduate with a degree in psychology, gender studies, and counseling. So you've been uh, a little busy, just a tiny bit. Right? <laughs> just a just a little bit, yes. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm also going to Indiana State University, um, Roll Trees. Uh, 
my current path, I guess, is going to be hopefully graduating with a bachelor's in nursing uh, in May. Um, and I'll take the NCLEX hopefully in June. And I might be a registered nurse, which is which is going to be pretty exciting. But we'll see. That's amazing. Good for you guys. Well, so we're doing this because I always feel like I'm lecturing everyone during our primer episodes. And like lecturing is not my intention. So Aaron and Sierra graciously agreed to come on and talk a little bit with me about executive power. And y'all know the drill on our primer episodes. Like I'm not really an expert in anything, although this one is closer to my wheelhouse than a lot of what I talk about because I did go to law school. Um, but I just try to give us an overview so that we level set on what everybody knows going into our opinion episodes. And I try to kind of check my opinion at the door when I do these and just give you the facts as I understand them. So in our next episode, Sarah and I are going to talk a lot about the Ninth Circuit's decision on President Trump's recent executive order. So today, we're just going to talk a little bit about executive power in general. So Aaron and Sierra, I know that y'all had some questions. Do you want to just start out with a question? Uh, yeah. So I guess... It's been a while since I studied like any sort of constitutional thing. The last like government class I had was like AP Gov in high school, um, like four years ago. So I guess my first question is, um, what is like the legislative or constitutional basis for um, the president's power to um, like issue these executive orders? Because from what I understood, like the president's main power is just like the power of the bully pulpit. Yeah. So. Going like way back to our sort of high school civics classes and even before that, you know, we have these three co-equal branches of government and the executive, the legislative branch and the judicial branch are all supposed to be about equally powerful and staying in this kind of tension with each other. So all of the president's power originates from Article 2 of the Constitution, which it's kind of interesting to reflect on the fact that when the framers wrote the constitution, this is the kind of thing I can get very nerdy about <laughs> a chief executive with power coming directly from the people was a brand new idea. Like this did not exist in the world. All of the chief executives of countries ascended to those positions either by force, like some kind of violent overthrow or heredity, right? There are somewhere in a monarchy. So this was a really novel thing. And even though it was a really novel thing, our framers spent not a lot of time on presidential power compared to the rest of the Constitution. And some historians speculate that's because everybody kind of knew that George Washington would be the first president and nobody wanted to offend him. So they didn't talk a lot about this. Um, Alexander Hamilton wanted a really strong executive with power, kind of similar to what European monarchs had. But the rest of the framers really assumed that the legislative branch would be the strong force in government. So to answer your question, what the president is empowered to do under Article 2 is be the commander-in-chief of the military. He can grant pardons and reprieves, except in cases of impeachment. And then with the advice and consent of the Senate, the president can make treaties and appoint ambassadors, Supreme Court justices, and other officers of the United States government. The Constitution requires a couple of things of the president. One, that he from time to time deliver the State of the Union address to Congress. Um, two, that he receive ambassadors and other public ministers, and three, ensure that the laws are faithfully executed. So none of that says the president can just like sit around and write executive orders. 
executive orders and, and all sort of executive action has come from either the president trying to figure out a way to exercise that Article II power, so using executive orders to tell the rest of the agencies that sit beneath the president in the executive branch what to do and how to do it, or to execute the laws that Congress has enacted. So Congress enacts legislation all the time that delegates authority to the executive branch. You know, Congress writes a set of laws about the environment and says the Environmental Protection Agency is responsible for doing these things. Well, the Environmental Protection Agency sits in the executive branch, right? So the president Uh, can take those laws and say, okay, EPA, Congress said do this. Now I'm going to give you some clarification and some direction and go do it. So that's really where... There, there isn't a, a textual source that says the president can issue these orders, but it is part of the president's execution of the law under Article 2 where Congress has given him that power. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's like um, I guess when the president makes an executive order, it's not a new law. Um, it's just like a way of interpreting existing laws like through, I guess, the agencies and like how the ways that – I guess, are outlined in the executive branch, like telling the people that are under the president's like direct control, like how they should interpret existing laws, I guess, sort of like that. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. The one thing I'll say, though, is that there are different kinds of executive actions. So let's talk a little bit about those, because executive orders like the ones that President Trump has been issuing do have the force of law. So. They shouldn't be entirely new laws in the sense of writing something that isn't directly related to authority that Congress has delegated to the president or to the exercise of the president's Article II powers, Um, but they do have the effect of law, so it's a little bit tricky. The Supreme Court has been really explicit about the fact that the president can't use executive orders to sit as a legislator. The, the executive orders can only pertain to power the president's been specifically granted. That said, some of what the president does is more consequential than other things. So there are presidential memorandums that can be issued, and these are like super routine. They govern practices and policies of administrative agencies. And these have the force of law, but they are not as powerful as other things the president can do. They don't have to be in the fed- federal registrar. Um, So they're more like day-to-day kind of presidential. I like to think of it as the president's like operating procedures. And then there are presidential determinations. And these state a policy or position of the executive branch. And many of these in recent years have been related to foreign policy or drug policy. There is a famous one issued by President Clinton. This is just sort of a fun fact exempting Area 51 from environmental disclosures. Oh, okay. (laughs) Weird. I know, right? (laughs) I thought that was fun. Um, There are also presidential proclamations. These do not have the force of law unless authorized by Congress. This is kind of what you were talking about with the bully pulpit, Aaron. Um, Mm -hmm. They're more like statements of policy and often ceremonial, but they can be consequential too. The most famous one being the Emancipation Proclamation. So very big deal, but not an executive order. 
President Bush also used a presidential proclamation to declare that areas impacted by Hurricane Katrina were disaster areas. And that had all kinds of ramifications um, in terms of the federal aid that, that, that those areas received. Proclamations are also how the president issues pardons. Okay, so then that brings us to executive orders. And these orders have the full force of law. The first executive order was issued by George Washington in 1789, and it was very broad. It instructed the heads of the new federal departments under him to impress me with a full, precise, and distinct general idea of the affairs of the United States and their fields. All of the presidents, except William Henry Harrison, have issued executive orders. They were not documented until the State Department started numbering them in 1907. So that's kind of some history about the president's powers to make executive orders. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are going to last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love, though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors, and I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick-dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick-dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. 
The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. You talked a little bit about the scope of an executive order and how it has the power of law. And we saw how when Trump issued his um, non-Muslim ban, Muslim ban, (laughs) that it, you know, it it was enacted pretty immediately. Um, So how much power do they actually have as laws, I guess? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there are a couple different ways to interpret President Trump's executive order on immigration. One is you could think of it as a direction to the executive agency sitting beneath him, right? Like, here is how you enforce immigration law and how you don't. President Obama had similar executive orders. You know, we're going to prioritize deportation of certain groups and not so much other groups. So there's this idea that the executive can use an order to just say, here's how we're going to interpret the law that Congress has made. President Trump actually views this executive order as an exercise, if I understand it correctly, of his Article 2 power to kind of keep the nation safe and to act as commander in chief. And there is a statute that the Trump administration is relying on to say, like, we have authority to do these things. And this is within our purview. What's really kind of come to light through the Ninth Circuit decision is that The Trump administration thinks that whatever source of power they're relying on to create this executive order, they they say that there is no check on that exercise of authority, that it should not be reviewed by courts. And the Ninth Circuit wholly rejected that argument. Disagrees, yes. (laughs) And, And that's consistent with lots of precedent. So the Supreme Court has held on numerous occasions that it has the power to overturn acts of the president that are inconsistent with either the Constitution or laws enacted by Congress. Um, And a good example of that and a pretty famous one is that President Truman issued an executive order placing all steel mills in the United States under federal control. And the Supreme Court stepped in and said that the president here was not trying to enforce law or clarify law or act pursuant to law. He was trying to make new law. And since Harry Truman did that and and the Supreme Court said that his action violated the law, most presidents have been very careful to cite what law they're acting upon when they enact executive orders. So they do have to have some source of authority. Now, that being said, there are presidents who've taken this pretty far. The most executive orders issued by a president happened during the Roosevelt administration, Franklin D. Mm -hmm. Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. He issued over 3,000 executive orders. He used executive orders to create the National Labor Relations Board. Mm -hmm. Um, He created the Export-Import Bank of the United States by executive order, along with other federal agencies. Now, he had a little trouble with the Supreme Court at first, but Franklin Delano Roosevelt was able to appoint six justices to the Supreme Court. 
during his term. So he was able to get a group of people who were pretty on board with his thinking in the course of his tenure. No president other than George Washington has had so much influence over the makeup of the court. So I think you can kind of see those things going together. But there have been some really, like, good actions done by executive order, too. Um, Harry Truman racially integrated the armed forces via executive order. Mm -hmm. Dwight Eisenhower worked on public school desegregation. I mean, so, you know, I I don't think we should always think of them as, like, this horrible, tyrannical weapon. Is it pretty normal for new presidents to push a bunch of executive orders through right away? I haven't really been into politics long enough to determine that. It's very normal. Um, It's almost like the welcome mat gets rolled out or something. It's just that they, most of those executive orders are usually more mundane than what President Trump Mm -hmm. has been doing. And and, then some of them never get acted on. Like one of President Obama's first executive orders was to close the detention facility at Guantanamo Bay. So he did that right away and it was very dramatic at the time, but it was never carried out. So it just wasn't as consequential as what President Trump has been doing. Okay. So I guess like the effect of an executive order depends on whether or not either it is checked by another one of those branches of government or the executive, I guess, bureaus or um, organizations uh, choose to carry out that order. Yeah, I mean, choose is a difficult word, but I think that's mostly right. I mean, with Guantanamo Bay, I think most of the people in the executive branch wanted that to happen. They just could never figure out a way to get there. So you could say that an executive order sets the stage for a course of action. And and what's distinguished President Trump in a lot of ways is they haven't kind of gone through the exercise of saying, now what? They've just done, right? Like, Mm-hmm. issued the order and we're going to put it into effect right away. And even if we don't have a plan and things aren't very well coordinated, we're just going to go with it. So I think that's why what you see from him seems so different than what we've seen before. But a lot of, you know, most most new presidents come in with sort of a slew of executive orders that they put on right away as they start to set up the executive branch of the government in a way that makes sense to them. Um, So Obama signed, I believe, 276 executive orders. And as you mentioned, FDR signed over 3,000. Both George W. Bush and Bill Clinton signed uh, 300 or more in that area. Um, So why was Obama known as an executive order crazy president? That's an impression that I've seen pretty often lately. And it's mostly because... He used executive orders in some very controversial ways that were high profile. I don't think historically he was way out of line with other uses of the executive power. But when you think about his actions on immigration, you know, that was very controversial. In my view, that, you know, brushes up against the line of what the legislature is supposed to do versus the executive. Mm -hmm. But there are other examples. I mean... We went to war in Kosovo in 1999 based on President Clinton's executive order. Now, Congress eventually authorized it, but executive power has been used for a long time um, in ways that are are pretty dramatic. The other thing that President Obama did that got some attention is he used executive orders to start the process of reestablishing relations with Cuba, also Mm -hmm. very controversial. He stopped enforcing parts of our embargo with Cuba. 
And the embargo is something that Congress enacted. So there were questions about, like, can can the president just ignore laws that Congress has passed? Like, can he definitively say we're not going to do something that Congress enacted? That does bring the tension between those two branches of government to the forefront, right? So I think it's just because of what he did and also the media environment in which he did it. I don't think Franklin Roosevelt could get away with 3,000 executive orders today. It's just <laughs> no, kind of a yeah. different landscape. That's fair. <laughs> um, I guess another thing that I guess we're both probably everybody is interested in is like, I don't want to say this, like what, at what point do executive orders, when do other branches of the government have to say like, uh, can, can, can the president do that? Like, <laughs> Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. 
Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Well, judicial review is available of executive orders. Now, we can't just, like, I can't walk into court tomorrow and say I'm concerned about President Trump's use of executive orders. You do have to have standing, which we'll talk more about in the next episode because it's a big part of the Ninth Circuit's case. But essentially, if you want to go to court over an executive order, you have to show that you personally have a concrete injury created by the executive order and the court can do something for you that would redress that injury. So we can't just kind of theoretically walk into the judiciary over an abusive executive power. There are ways for Congress to check President Trump's exercise of executive authority without using the judiciary. For example, appropriations is a big area. Congress controls the funding of everything. So you think about it, President Trump issued an executive order to start work on building the wall, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that order told the Secretary of Homeland Security that building a wall is now a priority of our government. Mm -hmm. It also said, Homeland Security, the funds that you have been allocated from Congress already, you should divert those to start planning and designing that wall. But any new funds that would have to be appropriated or allocated to the Department of Homeland Security have to come from Congress. So Homeland Security can't exceed what's already been allocated to start working on that wall. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So there are like some things that executive orders rely on. I guess that's like kind of how our government is kind of like interlocked in that they kind of rely on each other, at least that's like Congress's biggest power is the power of the purse. Uh, I mean, ultimately, that's the way that Congress can shut this down by just not allocating enough money to the Department of Homeland Security in order for the wall to be built. OK, cool. Are, are there any other aspects that we that we missed sort of like that you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's a pretty good overview. I mean, we always try to keep these short because, you know, we can all only take so much of high school civics class, but <laughs> I think enough. it's really good to recognize, you know, the, the big takeaways are the president does not have just carte blanche. Like all of the power exercised by the executive has to come from the Constitution or an existing law. The judiciary can come in and check the president. And then the legislator can the legislature can act in ways that are inconsistent with executive orders that effectively overturn them sometimes. So. President Trump is not doing anything new by issuing executive orders. He's just issuing very controversial orders and acting on them right away. And a lot remains to be seen, I think, in terms of how the judiciary will react to these orders, because we know they're all going to be challenged. That's just the climate that we live in now. Yep. (laughs) I do have a I do have another question. And I'm not if it's something you want to just talk about with Sarah that's totally fine. Um, but I was, I had a question about his executive order about defeating ISIS. Um, as far as I mean, the executive order was basically like 
defeating ISIS is one of our biggest concerns right now. Let's try to get it done as soon as possible. Um, something Aaron and I kind of talked about when we heard about that was, shouldn't he have just like talked with the right military personnel about that? Why was an executive order necessary? That kind of thing. Well, executive orders are communications between the president and the rest of the executive branch. So in that way, it's not unusual. And that order is not dissimilar to the one we talked about with George Washington, right? Like, everybody go think deep thoughts and come back and tell me your best best thinking. Um, Okay. I guess that's true. And then there's also certainly a public relations aspect to everything the president does, especially everything this president does. So um, he's been very... Um, open in saying that defeating ISIS is his priority. He's also been very open in saying, I'm not going to be telling you what our plans are. So it's kind of interesting that he publicized the directive to his agencies on that when he most certainly won't publicize whatever they come back to him with. It is quite interesting. Anything else y'all want to talk about? I mean, I think that clears up most of my main questions. Do you have anything else here? Not about Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I just look forward to you and you and Sarah hashing it out uh, in the upcoming episodes. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you, we are gonna get really geeked out over the Ninth Circuit opinion. It took us all, both right back to law school, so hopefully that will be helpful to everyone. And we look forward to talking with you then. Thank you to our producer Nicholas Holland and to our chief creative officer Dante Lima for all the work they do to make Pantsuit Politics possible. And to all of you for making this community so special. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic, or Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. Please leave us your feedback and send us your ideas for show topics and Pantsuit Primers on social media, or you can email us at sarah at Pantsuit or beth at Pantsuit